0: I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 3. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are not still ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, Are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos, but God gave the growth, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to
1: God. Grace and peace from God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit I would like to say thanks for uh, the kind introduction I would like to say thanks for your kindness to allow me to come and share this uh, brief reflection about uh, growth church growth and as I was reflecting and praying for this time for today I was bringing to memory history that uh... Pastor Gail already shared to you about the times when we have had the blessing to worship with you. Um, the first time I remember was at the uh, cinema in uh, Main Street when Providence started ministry. And we came to worship uh, over there. And then it was a uh, plan, uh, planning meetings at the Henderson Road, Hendersonville Road down, down the street. And then it was here when you moved to this new building, new beautiful chapel. And our second daughter, Miriam, was married here in this chapel back in 2003. So we have very uh, pleasant memories and uh, have been blessed being part of your ministry uh, in many ways. Um, I would like to say thank you for your invitation to reflect together today, as I said, it is an honor to be here at Providence. Um, my wife, Alexandra, who is here with us today, um, after 42 years together, she knows me very well. <laughs> she can read my mind. Sometimes it's scary. <laughs> and she always tells me, uh, I still wonders, how does it come that I always find a way to make make things more difficult to myself. (laughs) I can assure you that in choosing today's theme, topic, and church growth, um, she's right. (laughs) Your pastor, Michelle, gave me the choice of different values you hold to as your mission in the congregation. She gave me the choice of hospitality, worship, growth and simplicity. Of course inclusiveness and choosing the other were already taken when she wrote me the email. So I could have chosen hospitality or worship or simplicity, but no, I have to choose growth. (laughs) (laughs) You define growth as emphasizing spiritual formation and growth through spiritual practices such as prayer, study, and service, and the Christian calendar, according to your website. I just copy that. <laughs> um, let me say a word about the title of this sermon, The Eco-Green Movement, A Metaphor for Congregational Growth. Of course, you know by now, uh, having so wonderful pastors before, that uh, the word uh, ecological comes from Greek. Uh, Eco comes from oikos, which means house. And logos, uh, or uh, study. Uh, Ecology, logos uh, comes from its Greek word, which means study. So two definitions of uh, eco or ecological. One is the branch of biology that deals with the relations of organisms to one another and to their physical surroundings. A second definition of ecological is the political movement that seeks to protect the environment, especially from pollution. I propose that uh, church growth is about life, and its surroundings. About embracing and protecting our social environment from a variety of sources of pollution. Talking about congregational church growth in post-modernity, when for the last 25 years most statistics witness to declining numbers in every church parameter, membership, baptisms, worship attendance, service commitment, seminary enrollment, children and youth engagement, is not really the good news of a preacher to wants to proclaim on any given Sundays. <laughs> on the other hand, thanks to our lectionary, God through scriptures continues reminding us God's mission to reach out to the world through his church. And I believe really that that's um, following the lectionary, uh, fulfills the purpose of uniting Christians around the world from different traditions and allow God to speak. We are not, as preachers, allow us to pick up our preferred texts every Sunday and preach once and again and again on them. So it happens that the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor and always brings together themes and topics. So our readings for today really fits wonderfully <laughs> within our topic. You listen to those wonderful red, and the Deuteronomy, and 1 uh, Corinthians. In the context of church growth, or growth, we may speak of different models. The first one, the traditional great commission models. Everybody knows Matthew 28. <laughs> the great commission models. Go to around the world and make disciples. And this model focuses on going around the world, and civilize and Christianize pagans one model for church growth then we have the, we call the decisional theology that focuses on saving souls from hell we have the homogeneous population advocated by the so called church growth movement which it is more a marketing tool than really a bible based theological sound Christian way of doing things in my opinion The most recent missional model in which contextualization of the gospel message seems to be relevant to the church growth. The most recent model, which has been embraced by mostly liturgical tradition like providence, proposes the new old church practices of prayer, teaching or studying the Bible, love for our neighbors, and prophetic voices to denounce evil social structures. The most recent church growth focus, of course, on evangelization or evangelizing or evangelism, which is not the preferred word for many of us in our churches. Literature out in the market calls for a theology of evangelization that articulates church identity, mission, and practice into a comprehensive holistic model. This is a promising model if congregations are capable of engaging individual Christians in a search for Christian identity, missions, and way of life, consistent with what we profess in our creeds and practice worship and live out in the world. In summary, church growth has both a communal and individual dimensions. Church growth calls for the evangelization or the evangelizer. For Christianizing the Christians. Church growth is impacted by both internal and external factors. Cardinal Donald Gould in New York Parish, talking about church growth, lists Five external factors associated to church membership decline and calls for re-evangelization of Catholic congregations. And to confront the challenges of postmodernity individualism, consumerism, relativism, secularism, and militarism. A survey of our scripture texts may help us to put church growth in context. The Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, associates Torah or law obedience to love to God, to life and growth. And abandoning God and his commandments commandments to just plain death. And we know that there is no growth at all in death. Regarding the Torah or the law, the Jews articulated an interesting concept. They speak of the evolving of the Torah. As God himself, God's word is ever-present and relevant. By the time of Jesus, some branches of Judaism have forgotten that connection between God and his word. So they develop a different concept, fencing of the Torah, as if God could be silenced. The Gospel of Matthew is a testimony that Jesus preferred the ancestors' doctrine of the evolving, the living Torah instead of fencing of the Torah. He quoted three of the Ten Commandments and went one step further from actions to the intentions behind those actions the, command, the commandments referred to. He said, It has been told, but I told you. Commandments may shape our behavior as an act of obedience. Only love for God and for our neighbors may change our inner intentions. The law is good and holy, as Paul says. It only reveals our inner intentions and drives us us to Christ, the only one who makes new creation. Identity, mission, and way of life, both as individuals, and has communal has congregations people of god are the factors that determine congregational growth identity mission way of life paul addresses both individual and communal aspect of church growth in the passage in 1st corinthians at the individual level he contrasts the cause to the pneumaticoids, those of the flesh, those of the spirit, pneumaticoids, the one who lives in the flesh to the one who lives in the spirit. The first ones, the infant in Christ, behave according to human inclinations, in this case, quarreling and being jealous. They create division and chaos in the church. To those he asks, are you not merely human? Paul speaks of polarization polarization among the members of the church in Corinth. Some members claim to be of the party of Apollos, others to the party of Paul. Does it sound familiar to you in our society today? Then Paul talks about the communal aspect and reminds the Church of Corinth. That Paul and Apollos were servants of God Through whom they came to believe Then Paul introduces the beautiful metaphors of a green life Paul plants, Apollos waters Life and growth comes from God In summary, Moses is clear regarding the way of life of the people of God As it is spelled out in God's word, has commandments Jesus speaks of the way of life and the inner thoughts and intentions behind it, which comes from God's Word becoming flesh and Jesus of Nazareth. Through it, may take, so it may take a lot to change our behavior and certainly it may be our way of life. Only a new creation in Christ may change our inner self with its inclinations. Everybody talks about, in our churches, to be inclusive, to become diverse, to be multicultural. It is wonderful to speak about it. Up until that, diversity knocks the door of our church doors. And those who are different to us want to sit and you seat <laughs> the next coming Sunday. Or when, when maybe they knock the doors or our homes, when they start making friendships with our children or grandchildren, then inclusiveness becomes something different. A basic church growth principle is this: there is no growth without life, and life is a gift and comes and is sustained only by God. The most recent issue of The Living Lutheran, our ELCA monthly magazine, features an article regarding bringing diversity to our pews. It portrays a children's sermon in a Lutheran congregation with a white, a black, and a brown child. At Grace Lutheran, where I belong to, for the last 12 years, we have been like a voice in the wilderness trying to integrate children, youth, and adults in a single body of Christ. I am so blessed seeing God's Holy Spirit speaking and being listened to by more people in our congregations across America. My senior pastor has always been clear and committed to be in the church growth movement, welcoming and integrating people of different ethnicities and culture into the life and ministry of grace in our congregations. The sad reality is that most local congregations are more busy on building fences and walls between themselves in their communities. Finally, I attended recently a statewide conference on church growth. The theme was breaking down barriers, building bridges to bless our communities. I share my Christian rainbow identity. I say, I have been blessed being... A Roman Catholic in childhood, a Baptist, a Baptist for most of my life, and now a Lutheran for the last twelve years. In the context of the theme of the statewide conference, I just <coughs> refer to, I stated, regarding walls and bridges, I remember Roman Catholics keep saying there will be always walls around you. I remember my Baptists teachers and friends saying be at peace there will not be walls and not need for bridges in heaven. Lutherans for the other way they say walls? Give me the hammer. (laughs) Churches in order to grow we need to be in the business of cleaning up the mess and start building bridges within our communities. One more basic concept on church growth. It is in God's church we all are servants and we honor and respect each other's gifts and duties why God works out the growth. Finally, an eco-green church grows when embraces and protects those living in its immediate and remote surroundings. It is engaged in breaking down barriers and building bridges. It is engaged in church practices such, such as prayer, studying God's Word from different traditions, service, and Christian unity. Today, there are more Christians living in Africa, Asia, and Latin America than in Europe in America. 2.3 billion of Christians around the world, including old Christian traditions. 55% of them live in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Those people are are right now coming into our neighborhoods. Their perspectives may enrich the life of our congregations and reverse the trends of declining numbers and membership in our churches. This is our opportunity to allow God to work through our lives and growth our commitment to be people of God, reaching out to those who are different than we are, and to those who are like we are. That is what church growth it is all about. My prayer it is that uh, we may listen to our neighborhoods. We may listen to God's Spirit when it is time to be an eco-green congregation that embraces and protects its environment and allows God to further growth out of our congregations. Thank you. May God bless you.